morning's reading is from Psalm 119, verses 97 to 112. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path, so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, O Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. Well, for the last uh, 40 days, we've been loving the word. We've been uh, learning the word, well, some of us have. And uh, we've been attempting to, to live the word in this 40 days in the word. We've been trying to get people uh, switched on to what the Bible has to say to us. Uh, week one, uh, we were thinking about whether we can uh, trust what the Bible says. And we said, yes, the Bible can be trusted. In week two, we were thinking about how the Bible changes us, how God's word actually changes people's lives as they read it and as they put it into practice. Uh, week three, we were saying that uh, seeing what God wants me to see, we need the Holy Spirit's uh, help as we read the Bible. We need to pray that the Holy Spirit will illuminate uh, things in God's word. And then in week four, uh, we were looking at how to study a Bible passage. We were looking at the techniques of, uh, of how to actually take uh, apart a Bible passage and think about it and study it. And then uh, last week we were thinking about understanding uh, the meaning of the text. And again we were thinking about when we, when we come to read the Bible, we were saying, you know, um, so often people uh, misapply the Bible and, and interpret it in any way that suits them. And we were saying there's things that we have to do when we, if we're going to be serious about the Bible and in studying it, we said we need to consider the historical context. Uh, we must define key words in, in passages. We must interpret unclear verses with clear ones and uh, we must look for the most obvious uh, meaning. Uh, day 40 was actually last Thursday. Uh, day 40, for those of you that were... Uh, up to date, some of you might be a little bit behind, and of course the uh, the memory verse for this week, as we all know off by heart, is your word is a lamp and a light for my feet. Okay, thank you, Jennifer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a number of people have I know a number of people have, have made similar comments to me about, uh, especially the workbook, and uh, and that they found it helpful. Uh, just being given that, and uh, I know, but do uh, we just want to encourage people? You know, if God speaks to people. Uh, we want to encourage you. Not everybody wants to stand up at the front of church and say it, but we want people to encourage one another, uh, you know, and encouraging each other to continue in God's word. So let's uh, let's delve into week six then. Integrating God's word into my life. We're thinking about we're thinking about 
uh, how we put into practice all the things that we've been learning over these last six weeks. Very often people uh, segregate different areas of the life, don't they? And, uh, you know, this is my work life over here. Uh, this is my home life over here. This is my family life. This is my uh, recreation time over here. And uh, and this is my church time. And we, and we tend to segregate, uh, compartmentalise uh, different areas of our lives. And uh, we sometimes do this without realising. And I remember well when, uh, when Fiona, Fiona's not here this morning, so uh, I'm sure she won't mind me sharing it. When Fiona was in hospital, I remember her saying to me, it was really weird because it was like all the different areas of her lives were converging in this one hospital room as family were coming to visit, as people from work were coming to visit and as people from church was coming to visit. She had this kind of big picture of all these people that were coming together that were very often separated and, and sometimes we can do that in life. And so this, this week we're thinking about how do we integrate God's word into every area of our life. Because we don't just want people to think about God's word on a Sunday and then close the Bible and, and not think of it again uh, till the following Sunday or till a Bible study. We want people to be able to, to live the word of God and it to help them. That's why we're encouraging people to memorise verses so that it will actually help people uh, in their daily life, in work, at home, when, when, you, when you're out playing, whatever you're doing. We want people to integrate God's word into their lives. Um, the psalmist says this, what I want most of all and at all times is to honour your laws. What I want most of all. And of course the challenge is, is this what we want most of all? Is it the most important thing in our life? If it is, it will Im- impact every single area of our life. If our relationship with God is real and uh, is the most important thing, it will impact every single area of our life. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we will always be aware of God's presence with us and uh, we carry God's word in our hearts. So at all times, uh, every situation. So if I'm, if I'm going to integrate God's word into my life, what do I need to do? What things do I need to do if I'm going to integrate God's word into my life? And we're going to use the six memory verses that you know so well um, to help us think about how we integrate God's word into our life. And the first thing, and if you're following on the sheets, this is like your little fill-ins if you're doing that kind of thing. If you're not, that's okay. Um, But the first thing uh, I must do is I must build on it. I must build on God's word in my life. And of course, this is taken from the, uh, the memory verse. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. We're building on a solid foundation. Anybody that knows anything about uh, building, it's the foundation that will decide the, the, the size and everything else about the house. If you haven't got a solid foundation... Uh, then your house isn't going to stand, it isn't going to last. And so what we're saying is if we want to take God's word seriously, then we're going to build on it as a foundation to our lives. That's going to be the foundation to our life. Of course, this is taken from the parable uh, that Jesus told, the parable of the foolish and the wise builder. And uh, people build their lives on all sorts of things. People build their lives on all sorts of things. So I must build on it. Here's some unreliable foundations. Some unreliable foundations. Popular culture. Popular culture. 
Some people build their lives on popular culture. They think, I'll just do what everybody else is doing because that would seem the right thing to do. I'll just do what everybody else is doing. And, uh, you know, um, from, from when we were small, you know, when sometimes if you, if you get in trouble, you say, why did you do that? Oh, well, my, my, brother, my brother does it or my sister does it. Uh, what's the problem? Um, we, popular culture uh, is some people's guidance. The problem is what's popular today might not be popular tomorrow. And uh, in Exodus, it says, don't follow the crowd in doing wrong. Don't follow the crowd. Don't follow the crowd. And at times, of course, we all do that, don't we? We just want to fit in. We want to be, we want to be accepted. We want to be popular. And to do that, sometimes, if we're honest, we just fit in with the crowd and we go along, sometimes with things that we shouldn't really go along with. How many of you have been in a conversation at work or, you know, in the neighbourhood and you're starting to feel a little bit uncomfortable about where the conversation's going, uh, but you, you just go along with it because everybody else is and nobody says anything. We've all been in those situations. If we're building on a solid foundation, we know, we'll know what scripture says and it will help us. So popular culture, don't build your, don't build, use popular culture. Tradition. Tradition. It's the second thing that I'd say, don't build your life on tradition. Now, these things are not necessarily bad in themselves. There's nothing wrong with, there's some good things in popular culture as well as bad things. There's some good things about tradition as, as well as, as well as bad things. We, we, we're trying to get people to, to get into the tradition or habit of reading God's word every day and learning it. That's a good thing. But it's not, but the danger is that we build our life on traditions that have nothing to do with the Bible. Uh, we do things because, well, we've always done it that way. Um, I was with the minister's uh, group the, the other week and, uh, and I was saying, you know, we've got our AGM this week on a Saturday evening. And they said, Saturday evening? Well, why do you have your AGM on a Saturday evening? And I said, well, I, I guess it's because that's what they've always done. Now, <laughs> it's not necessarily a, a bad thing. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, you, you look back in the history of, of churches and, and when it started, I'm, I'm sure there was probably a very good reason. But sometimes we, we carry on doing things um, long beyond. I, I can remember going to preach at a church um, in, uh, just outside Burnley. And uh, they had a, an, an unusual thing. Is they, had a, they had a service at 2.30 in the afternoon, which was fine because I had a morning service and an evening service, so I could go and preach there at 2.30. But I, I said to them, I said, this seems a bit of a daft time to have a... I didn't put it quite so bluntly, but I basically said, a bit of a daft time to have a service, 2.30. They'd been at service at, you know, at 11 o'clock, rushed home, and then rushed straight back. I said, I said why, why, why is that? He said, oh, well, it, it's all to do with... It was all to do with the, the farmers so they could milk the cows. I said, all right. And I said, and how many farmers have you got in the church now? Oh, none. <laughs> but it's still meeting at a very inconvenient time for everybody. But it would be convenient for any farmers if they came in. Um, and we do things like that. That's just a silly example. But there's probably things that we do in this church. And every church will do things because of traditions that have long ceased to have any meaning or relevance. So let's not build our life on, on tradition. And again, Jesus says, you know, talking to the Pharisees, he says, you have let go of the commands of God and you are building on the traditions of men. Hear what I say, I'm, I'm not knocking tradition. I'm just saying we need to, you know, examine things. There's good things and bad things. Unreliable foundation, reason. Reason. Now, we want people to reason. Um, but we can't always trust our reason, can we? You know, People say to me sometimes, well, I've always thought this. I've always thought that. Well, 
It doesn't really matter how long you thought it. If, it, if it's not a good thing, if it's wrong, uh, it doesn't matter, does it? But people say, well, I've, I've, I've always thought that. I've, I've always thought that this, is, that this was the case. I've always thought that. And uh, reason, we want people to reason. But if you come to the wrong reason, then uh, it's going to be a bad thing. So we don't want people to build their life just on reason. And again, uh, in Proverbs, it says, There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. And then the fourth thing that we don't want people to bring, build their lives on them and make it a foundation, and perhaps the most important one, is emotion. Some people simply, you know, live by their emotions. They build their lives on feelings. Uh, I don't know if you've learned something, but I can't trust my feelings, can you? You know? How many of you this morning when you woke up, uh, wanted to get out of bed. You know, some of you, if you just if you just went on how you feel, some of us wouldn't even get out of bed, wouldn't we? Uh, some of us would just turn over and go back to sleep, and uh, and uh, some some of us have teenagers that do that anyway. But uh, but you know what I mean, don't you? If you, you can't really trust your feelings, uh, feelings do have a big impact on our lives. And uh, of course, people say, well, if it feels okay, do it. If it feels okay, because you can trust your feelings. Well, actually, no, you can't trust your feelings because sometimes we feel like doing the wrong things. And again, if we know what God's word said, uh, we don't need to rely on our feelings. We can rely and build a foundation on what God has said in his word. At that time, this is from Judges 21, at that time there was no king in Israel and people did whatever they felt like doing. If it feels good, do it. That's kind of a, a, almost a motto. I mean, this is, this is from 2,000 years ago, but it would very much fit into 2015. That's kind of the, the mantra, isn't it? If it feels good, do it. Uh, if you're not harming anybody else, just, just do with it, go with it. That's not a good foundation to build your life upon. Okay, so if you want to integrate God's Word in your life, you must build on it, and you must build on a solid foundation, which is God's Word. Like the wise man who built his house on the rock rather than the foolish man who built his house on the sand. Secondly, I must feed on it. Very often in, uh, in, in lots of places in Scripture, uh, Scripture is referred to as kind of a food or a, or a milk or a drink. Um, you know, at some stage today you will eat because your body needs physical food. But so does our spiritual. Our spirituality needs to be fed. If we don't feed on God's Word, uh, we won't know what it says and we won't be able to live by it. So we need to feed on it. Let the word of Christ, this is our memory verse for this one, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So, feeding on the word of God. How do we do that? If I'm integrating God's word into my life, well, I can receive it with my ears. Paul says in in Romans Faith comes by hearing the word. Faith comes by hearing the word. We can hear people speak about God's word. If you've been doing the 40 days in the word, you'll know that that one of the things we were encouraged to do was to actually speak out God's word. Um, When we're reading it, to actually read it out aloud, so we're reading to ourselves. Uh, So we need to hear the word of God if I'm going to integrate it into my life. Uh, we do have, obviously, we need to read it, and I read it with my eyes. 
Um, we're hoping people have got into the habit of reading God's word as a daily thing, just to be taking in God's word, to be letting it soaking into your life. That's what we want to encourage. If you're going to integrate God's word into your life, you need to be constantly uh, reading it. And we've been given, as, as Jennifer said, we've been given lots of methods to help us uh, read God's word. Still got two copies left of the book. Excellent, just gives us methods for reading God's word that some, some methods you'll find more helpful than other. But if you can find a method that helps you to read God's word and understand it, that's a great thing. Um, the next thing is that I research it with my hands and my mouth. You know, writing things down. You know, how many of you make a shopping list before you go shopping in case you forget? Uh, Susan's constantly giving me lists of, of, of things to, to do and, and, and to get. But we write things down to help us, don't we? Uh, and, and it's the same with Scripture. You know, if you're reading Scripture, if you haven't got a, a pen and a bit of paper, if, if you have some fantastic insight, the chances are, if you don't write it down, it will go. If you don't write it down, you won't keep it. So we, we, we research it with our hands and with our mouth, talking about it. That's what house groups are all about talking about scripture, sharing our, our ideas and understanding with other people, uh, encouraging people, helping people who are struggling uh, to understand God's word, getting alongside them and uh, using scripture to get alongside us. How, how many of us, when we, when we try to help people and get alongside people, actually do so with a Bible in our hand and say, listen, I've got a word for you and, and, and give people a word and help them. Uh, so we do it with our, with our hands and with our mouth. And then I can reflect on it with my mind. I can use my mind. We talked about not building a life on reason, but we do want people to seriously think about Scripture. So many Christians actually know very little um, about the Bible, about how it was put together, about uh, who wrote different books. So we have so little knowledge, and, and sometimes... We, that becomes a barrier. People say to me, oh, I'm not sure about joining a Bible study group because I don't know anything about the Bible. Actually, if you don't know anything about the Bible, that's a good reason to join a house group and Bible study group because you will increase your knowledge and you will be able to reason. Catholic Church, we just sit around and we, we talk about stuff and we explore stuff and we engage with one another. We use our minds just to think um, and, uh, and we do so with our minds. We reflect on it. And then, of course, uh, fifthly, uh, we remember with my heart, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, we have been encouraging people, not just to memorise it for the sake of memorising it, but to take scripture into our hearts. Uh, so we remember it. You know, very often you'll be in a place when somebody is talking to you and you might, you might not have your Bible with you. If you've got a, a, a smartphone, you can, you can look it up on your phone. But sometimes if you've just got a verse in your mind, uh, God will bring it to mind, but he won't bring it to mind if it's not already there, if you've not read it and you've not memorised it. And very often, you know, I've experienced God just brings a, a verse to my mind and, a, and I'll give it to somebody and it encourages them and helps them. And we do that by memorising scripture. Uh, we, can, we can encourage and help people. So the second thing is I must feed on God's word. If I'm going to be allowing God's word to be integrated in my life, I need to be reading it constantly, taking it in. Thirdly, um, I must live it. I must live it. There is no point in us is reading God's word, learning God's word, if then we totally ignore it. 
You know, uh, it says in the scripture time and time and time again that we are to forgive one another, that we are to accept one another. If you're in, in a situation where, where you can't forgive somebody, then you've, you've not really taken God's word on board. You've read it, you might have understood it, you might have, you might have had a Bible study about it, but if you're not living it, it's, it's, it's really it's a useless exercise. If it doesn't affect and change our lives when we read the Bible, if we don't take it on board, and, and sometimes we might not like what we read because it's difficult and it's hard. And the number of people that come to me and say, oh, Richard, you don't understand how much so-and-so has hurt me. You don't understand. And they're right, I might not understand, but I will still say to them in, in a sympathetic way, you need to forgive. Uh, not for other people's benefit, but for your benefit. You need to forgive. And because that's what God's word says. Sometimes God's word is so clear. And uh, maybe some of us need to hear that this morning. We must live it. Uh, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What did Jesus do when he was... Uh, out in the desert for 40 days and, and Satan came along and tempted him. What did he do? Brought scripture to mind and quoted it at him. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And again, sometimes that's a verse just to, it's worth memorizing. You know, when you, when you face temptation, whatever that might mean for you, if you can recall that mind, that verse to mind as you're facing whatever temptation you're facing, that will help you. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You can recall that and bring it to mind at that moment of temptation. So I must live it. I must live it out in my life. If people know that you are a Christian, if people know that you will go to church, they will watch you. They will see how you respond, how you behave, how you react when people are annoying. They'll be watching to see. And so often... The, lay, the, the criticism against Christians is that we're hypocrites and it's because we don't always live out the word. Now we can't be perfect and we will make mistakes and we will slip up but we will be attempting to follow Jesus and his word in our lives. So we must live it, we must live it. And then fourthly, I must grow through it. Uh, we want people to grow. If you... If, if, if when you became a Christian, I don't know when you became a Christian, I became a Christian when I was 20. Amazingly, you won't believe this, that was over 30 years ago. I know you're thinking, gosh, Richard, you're not that old, but I am, I am. Over 30 years ago, 30 years ago, since I accepted Christ in my life. Now, if I hadn't grown in those 30 years, if I had just carried on in, in my naivety as a young Christian, um, you know, that wouldn't be a good thing. You know, a child, we, we feed a child, we expect it to grow and develop. If a child doesn't grow and develop, we take it to the doctors because we say, hey, there's something wrong with this child. It's not developing. As Christians, sometimes we don't grow. We get stuck and we, and we, and we stay in a place, maybe a place that feels safe. Who wouldn't want to remain a child? You know, who wouldn't want to, to, to just be able to have no responsibilities? To have parents that just do what you know, all the stuff for you, that run you about and, and give you money and, and, and cut your food for you. And do, who wouldn't want that? And, uh, but if, 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 we, if we've carried on in our lives and expected that to be the way, uh, number one, we're going to get a big wake-up call. Normally when you get to university, you suddenly realise that, hey, 
Mums and dads do actually do quite a bit for me. They, they wash my clothes. Nobody's washing my clothes. What's happening? All my clothes are dirty. Um, who's making tea? Why isn't my tea? Why, well, I've, I've got to go to this thing called a cooker and work out how it works and, and do things for myself because you grow and you mature. And also spiritually, we want to see people grow and mature. So I grow through it. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Wonderful things in your law. I'm thinking of the parable of the sower. If you think of the parable of the sower that you know so well, there's the hardened soil, which of course represents a closed mind. The hardened soil that the seed can't get through, a closed mind. Many Christians that I've met have closed minds. They're not open to God revealing a new thing. I've decided what I believe, and this is what I believe, this is what I've been taught. I'm not open and they think, sometimes they think they're being faithful to God, when actually by not being open, they're actually shutting the door to what God might be wanting to reveal for them. So the action we need to take is I must cultivate an open mind. It doesn't mean you're open to anything, but it means you are open, first of all and foremost, to being wrong. You know, I can look back to when I first became a Christian and I thought I knew everything. Of course, now I do. But I'm joking, I don't know anything. I'm still learning, that's the amazing thing. After 30 years of a Christian, I'm still finding out new things. It's wonderful. But you only do that by reading and and praying and and learning. So I must cultivate an open mind. The shallow soil, of course, represents a superficial mind. Shallow soil represents a superficial mind. And uh, you need to make the action, you need to make time for God's word. Need to make time for God's word. The, uh, the, the soil with weeds record is, is a preoccupied mind. You know, a mind that's that's easily uh, preoccupied with so many things. We live in such a busy world. There's so many things that we need to take on board that God's word can so easily um, get crushed out. I must eliminate distractions. How many times have you decided I'm going to have a quiet time? I'm going to pray, and you've been distracted, and before you know it, you're thinking about something else, and your mind's completely gone. You know, we're so easily distracted, and there's so many distractions, isn't there, in this world now, that distract us away. I must humiliate distractions. And then there's the good soil, which is, of course, a willing mind, a willing mind to receive. And uh, the action is, I must cooperate with what God says. I cooperate with what God says. We don't tell God what to do. And uh, we need to remember that we don't tell God what to do. Uh, we do what God tells us to do. So, uh, we must, if, if we want to integrate God's word into our lives, we must grow through it. And then I've got to act on it. I've got to act on it. And this is the verse, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And this isn't easy. This isn't easy. Um, this isn't easy at all. But we've got to do what God's word says However difficult that is, it's not easy. Because we live in a world that basically ignores God's word. Doesn't want to do uh, what God's word says. As we've uh, been uh, going through this, uh, this uh, 40 days in the word in this, in this, in this book, we've been learning uh, different methods. You know, the pronounce it method was the method when you, you actually speak God's word out. You read the passage out loud. The picture of it was where you tried to picture yourself in the scripture as you read it, putting yourself, seeing yourself in, as one of the characters in the story. There was a probe it where you kind of really examine what God's word says and, and think about it and reason about it. There was a paraphrase it 
Jennifer did that this morning. There's nothing wrong with, with, with paraphrasing scripture. Saying it in, in words that make sense to you means that you've understood what the word says. If you can paraphrase it, you've understood it. And then, of course, personalize it, putting your name in place of scripture. So where it says, you know, you or me or whatever, putting your name in it and reading scripture and allowing it to personally speak to you because God wants to personally speak to you. And then, of course, pray it. We can pray scripture back. You know, we can turn scripture actually into a prayer and pray it. Very useful if you if you if you if you're struggling and you don't feel you can pray. You know, you can go to parts of scripture and just turn those into the Psalms. Just pray it just by reading them out to you. So you might not feel that you have the ability to pray. And then finally, I must trust it. I must trust it. We have to put our trust in God and in his word. And this, of course, was the word, the word for this week. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Uh, God's word will help us live a better life. Um, and the challenge, <clears throat> the challenge is that are we going to commit ourselves? Some of you have experienced small groups, and if you have, I would encourage you to uh, continue in a small group. Uh, some of you have got into this habit of of, of daily readings and we can give you all sorts of daily reading plans if you found it helpful to have a daily reading and you'd like to continue have a word with me or your house group leader and uh, we can give you daily reading plans with the some at the back of the church there's some in the foyer there's all sorts of different ones uh, that will help you to continue in the word so the 40 days we've spent 40 days in the word but God doesn't just say spend 40 days in the word he says, spend your life in the Word. We don't just want to spend 40 days in the Word and then close the book and, yeah, we've done that. We'll move on to something else. We want people to continue in God's Word because it will shape and transform your life. So whilst this is the end, there's a sense in which it continues as we continue to seek God through His Word.